Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Weekly, the show where we, the writers of Eurogamer, recap what's been going on for you. Remember, supporters of the Eurogamer website get these episodes every Friday, whereas everyone else listens from Monday. Head over to Eurogamer.net to find out more. I'm Bertie, a longtime writer for Eurogamer, and I'm joined today by news reporter Victoria Kennedy, who you might be familiar with from the Newscast podcast. Hi, Victoria. Hello, thank you for having me. I see that a dog just walked in the back of your picture and it I nearly completely derailed Oh me. my God, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. Nestled. Sorry. Nestled in the, between the cushions <laughs> of the sofa. This is, this is the captain. Hello, Captain. Is his name <laughs> the Captain? Like the Captain, yes. With the wow, yeah. Respect. Capital T, capital C. Yeah. <laughs> I love how formal that is. Whenever he's checked into the vets, I bet they're like, okay. So at the vet, does okay, his form? I enough. mean, I hope he never has to go to the vets, but like, does it have the Captain Kennedy? <laughs> uh, it's got the Captain Phillips Kennedy. Yes. Right. 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 Wow. <laughs> I um, also, his full name. I, our cat is. Our cat, <laughs> Our cat is who's in the room with me. Milton is a monster and he's also epileptic. He's not a monster because he's epileptic. It's just the two different things. He's notorious at the vets and they really don't like him because he's so aggressive. And I phoned up today to get some more Epifen for him. And I phoned up and said, I need some more Epifen for my cat Milton. And the woman on the phone just said, oh, it's Donlan, isn't it? And I was like, <laughs> his <laughs> reputation precedes him, basically. Could you um, hear the eye roll? <laughs> Also joining us today, um, as just mentioned, we have, we have Christian Donlan um, and, and, and his cat Milton. Hello, Sorry. Christian. I have ruined, How are you? I've My ruined cat's the... also in the room. Oh, really? I've ruined the flow of this. Sorry, I do apologize. We've already no, been no, derailed. It, it is a podcast about pets today. Uh, it's not a podcast <laughs> about pets. So the star attraction this week, um, in terms of reviews uh, particularly, is a new roller skating slash shooter called Rollerdrome uh, from Oli Oli developer Roll7. Before we talk about this, though, more importantly, did either of you used to roller skate? I have been known to take to the streets in my youth. Okay. I have been also a, known to bash my knees a lot. Okay. As my I daughter see, does a lot of rollerblading. I see people roller skating around Brighton. There's a whole roller gang in Brighton that they, they come along in the evening. They've got like neon backpacks and uh, speakers in their backpacks and they come past like this um mobile disco it's it's crackers i've always wanted there's also more um, people wearing roller skate i always wanted a pair of is it are they heelys the normal shoes with the with the wheels that pop out the bottom i've always wanted one they are heelys i have but i'm there's a place in hell for those things really i see the kids in supermarkets i'm like you're gonna crash into the milk stop great floor for it in the supermarket what's this What was that? Great floor in the supermarket. I mean, it is the perfect aisle for your rollerblading, skating, wheeling dreams, I suppose. There's a, there's I a feel great like level I in, um... can. S- Sorry, cut you off. 
There's a great level in... I was going to say, I feel like I can see uh, a roller skating advert, a Sunny Delight advert where a kid's roller skating and is grabbing some Sunny Delight at the same time from the shelves. Well, do you remember the Great Diet Coke advert? The Great Diet Coke advert, which always meant that it was summer and it had the um, Paul Oakenfold track on it. Um, No one knows what I'm talking about. It's really good. It's one of those Diet Coke ads that whenever it's instantly like a Proustian memory, like, oh my God, you know... Um, Anyway, this is not working. As an anecdote, my, I'm not going to take this one on the road. My Diet Coke memories from my youth is the one where it's like the sort of sexy topless window cleaner and it's like, I just want to make love <laughs> yeah. to you. Gardener. Gardener. I remember that not, not a window cleaner. <laughs> Definitely a gardener, right? Was he a gardener? Or was there also a window cleaner? I'm sure I remember a window cleaner. Oh my God, I've just mansplained maybe, maybe Diet Coke. Maybe they capitalised on... <laughs> <laughs> I've just mansplained a diet. My memory is a window about, cleaner, but about the female gaze. Um, but yeah, the, the the summer one's really good. Can't remember what it's called, but yeah. That, so let... speaking of roller skating, so let's get on to roller drome. So I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I don't. I've got a. I've got a code for it as well. I've downloaded it, but it's uh, just haven't had a go yet. So, but Christian, you have played this uh, game. I've been watching a video of it. So tell us about it. It sounds kind of wild. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't review it, I should say. So Chris Tapsell reviewed it. And I think you have to go, like, I'm trying to think the last time Roll, Roll 7, who made it, the last time they didn't get an essential. And you have to go quite a way back because, oh, they, like, wow. if you think about the run they've been on, um, uh, Laser League, which is absolutely fantastic. I feel like Laser League is one of the, it never really took off, but it's one of those games which in my mind is up there on with, like, Tetris in terms of how beautiful it's put together. Um Wow. And then there is uh, Oli Oli World, which is just spectacular. Absolutely love it. And I did review that one. And then um, Rollerdrome is a sort of 70s sort of science fiction, social science fiction drama about a violent sport where you rollerblade around and shoot people. And what's ingenious about it is you have to shoot people to get health because that's the only way you get health back is by people drop health when you shoot them. But the only way you get ammo back is by doing tricks. So everything in it is tied into something else. So you have to keep killing people to, because you have to keep alive and you have to keep uh, doing tricks and being sort of fantastically ostentatious around these environments in order to get ammo back. And there's like four different weapons. It's really... It's a, a masterclass in sort of compacting an idea down into a very, very small sort of space, but making it feel expansive, because even though the rules are very tight, they're all about expressiveness. So like um, Roll7 always says, oh, our games are about flow. And I think another word for that really in this case is just expressiveness. It's all about expressing yourself and how you want to move through this environment. It's just fantastic. It's got a very distinct art style um which is not cell shaded they always want to tell people it's not cell shaded <laughs> it's flat color very very thin almost engineer lines around things seven it really looks 70s to me it looks like sort of 70s comic it looks like a 70s french comic um people say it looks like mobius the um 70s french comic designer but um and it does <laughs> somewhat um, but it, what it really looked to me was like the illustrations you used to get on sort of air, air flight safety cards when you flew in like the <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> it's got that sort of startled 
blandness. I mean, bland in a positive, that's what they're going for. That sort of startled lack of effect. And it's uh, just absolutely stunning. It's a great game. So I've only seen like clips for it and I obviously read Taps' review. Is there a story element in the sense of like, is it, does it all take place in these kind of rollerblading arenas or is in, there like an open world area? In between them, I think you have first person sequences where you're in the lock. So I've only played, I've only played about a half of it. Um, uh, you have these first person sequences when you're in locker rooms or behind the scenes. And there's an amazing bit of theater where you, when you first leave the locker and it goes from first person to third person, you skate out into the arena in this one sort of swoop. It's really lovely. There, there is a narrative. Um, I don't know much about that side of it, but it does have a story that sort of strings it all along. But it really is unashamedly about these arenas where you skate around and blast people's heads off. It's uh, enormously entertaining. Is it quite difficult? Because it sounds fiddly. I am terrible at games and I was all right, but I've only played half of it. So I'm sure it does get difficult. One thing it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of, I appreciate, I appreciate I'm busting this out and I'm the oldest person here by a country mile. So apologies. It reminds me a lot of the very early arcade game Robotron in that you have a set a very simple palette of skills. And there are very simple configurations of enemies who are extremely predictable. So like um, snipers always from afar and they lock onto you with their little beam and then it goes white when you when they're going to shoot you. Um, grunts sort of swipe at you with little uh, clubs and then there's like shield guys and all of these people, none of them are a surprise. The second time you meet them, they don't exhibit surprising behaviors. But with the different configurations of them, you get emergent behavior so um robotron is a twin stick shooter and you've got all these weird emergent behavior from it so like the grunts who are just chasing after you they're also called grunts in robotron they would eventually form this little bait ball that sort of wandered around after you they'd, they'd just get more and more compact because they were all converging on a point where you were um and as the point moved they sort of like bunched together if you imagine sort of star some starlings and something's gone terribly wrong but then equally sort of the Oh, I forgot what they're called, but the robot drone guys, they would all end up in the cor- in the corners. And no one's programmed that, but it's a sort of result of their different rule sets. You get this really fascinating procedural emergent behavior. And I don't think I don't think it's quite the same with Roller Drone, but it's on that sort of wavelength. It really feels like this is what a modern Robotron could look like. Do you agree with what uh, Tap said that it's sort of quintessentially cool? Oh gosh, Taps is way cooler than I am. I would never want to damn it by saying that I thought it was cool. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You're selling yourself short there. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. So Taps is the to, cool one of the of the out of us. <laughs> just to, to know. check then, uh, we're not fighting against other people. Is is there any fighting against other people? But it's all against predictable kind oh, of AI. Yes, yes, it's, it's all PV. Um, because because that was a really good point because one of the challenges they have to come up against with this game I think Roll7 is that everyone looks at it and assumes it's multiplayer and thank god it is mm. not I would find it in like wildly frustrating if it was multiplayer but it's not it is an arena shooter where you shoot against AI um, so it, yeah it's it's really if you think about it less as like I think you want to people want to approach it as if it's Overwatch or something like that Think about it much more like it's an arcade game. Like Roll7 really do make arcade games. 
Um, it's that sort of thing. Um, does that make sense? I feel like I've spoken yeah. for a really long time now. I'm so sorry, everyone. It does make sense. Um, and thank you. It sounds more like a, a kind of puzzle game. It reminds me a bit of Ghost Runner, where there's a very active the action is very hands-on you know you're leaping around it's very acrobatic but actually what you're doing is you're plotting a route through a level that is um, a perfect, and the quickest but the most effective that's a perfect analogy i wanted to ask you um victoria do you do you think it's cool you probably are a bit more in touch with with what's cool it, does it strike oh my you gosh, no, i'm i'm 33 going on 80 trust me <laughs> i um I, I think, I mean, like I said, I've only seen the sort of like promotion releases that we have been shared publicly, but I do think it looks, it looks really good. And it's the kind of game I can imagine, like just, you know, sitting down, even if it's just do like one arena at a time, like rather than maybe getting a whole oh, yeah. afternoon out of it, but it's kind of a game I can imagine like going back to dipping in and out of definitely from what I've seen. I've never actually played it. So, so talking of young and cool, the other game we reviewed this week is um, an episodic adventure series slash music album uh, called We Are OFK. Um, this game that kind of, as Ed Nightingale reviewed this for us, and he said it, it kind of riffs on the idea of having a concept album, but as a game. So it's kind of a visual novel telling the story of this fictional band. Um, they're also releasing the music, and, and each episode culminates in like an interactive musical um uh, moment and they're releasing these songs as well um and ed in his review liked it as a visual novel um particularly likes the sort of authenticity and the diversity of the characters and the queer relationships um that's handled really well but he's not so enamored with the musical interaction in the game it's it felt, felt a bit superfluous to him mm -hmm. i think and like you couldn't you weren't really affecting anything. Not like uh, in Res, I'm saying that because uh, it's, it's a reference on them. We'll jump on, pounce on like a shark. <laughs> Is this a game that interests either of you? We are OFK because it looks cool. It's a stylish looking thing. I mean, I mean, I'm slightly limbo with this one. If, if it was to come up on something like Game Pass, then I would give it a shot as part of a subscription. But I'm not sure it's a game that for me personally, with my general gameplay preferences, I would be like, this is where I want to be. Um, I, I do like the fact that it's quite a, you know, it's a, um, quite a unique concept, I suppose, to have the sort of video, uh, not video career, music career kind of developing as you develop. Um, Another thing that was slightly frustrating me, and this is something I would like you, uh, your opinions on, is the fact that it's an episodic release. And I know that with Life is Strange, I really appreciated True Colors coming out in one big chunk, um, while still having like that sort of episodic feel, because you could quite clearly see the beginning and ends of chapters. So I was wondering, how do you feel about episodic releases with this game? Is that something that you feel is a good thing for the game, to have it slightly more bite-sized, or...? So episodic stuff, um, uh, episodic stuff irks me a little bit because on the one hand, I like, I'm not necessarily talking about episodic games here so much as episodic TV series. If you're watching an episodic TV series, something that Weak Gap does is allowed, allow kind of speculation and things, uh, anticipation to build around the next episode. I think it also gives you a chance to, 
compute what you've just watched and mm. think about it and then invest yourself in where it's going because you're 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 wondering about that whereas you know sometimes if everything's released say a stranger things although this one was broken in two but normally like just say all the episodes are released at the same time you can binge stuff and i, I don't think you get the most value out of it when when you just race through it on the other hand if you force the issue with something and you expect people to be speculating about it and getting an, and hyped and anticipate between releases i don't know if it might feel a bit you know well forced uh, like arbitrary like they're going yeah now you've got some time to speculate and you're just like well i just want to continue playing See, this is where I do worry, just from what I've seen of We Are FK, if that's the category it's going to fall into, because I'm not sure it's going to get enough kind of momentum with each chapter for you to suddenly be like, I need to stop and process. Whereas if it really saw one go, maybe you'd have something bigger that you could then maybe pick apart retrospectively. I, th I think... That's just my opinion. I don't... I, I really like episodic things. Um... And I think it's exactly what Bertie said. You get that sort of writability. I think, I think like thinking back to, I know I always talk about this, but thinking back to like Twin Peaks, which was my first love in television. I think the reason oh, I loved that was because perfect. it was episodic in that once, once at the end of each episode, you're like, oh my God, you can't end. And we're watching um, only murders in the building at the moment. Is anyone else watching that? No, super old. Sorry, it's, if you're if you're old, it's very appealing, um, <laughs> and uh, it's once a week. And so uh, it's really when each episode ends, and it always ends on a cliffhanger, and there's lots of threads. It's great for that sort of thing. I am fascinated by OFK. I definitely want to play it because it's trying to do something, like you said, uh, Victoria. It's trying to do something really new and interesting. It's really it does seem like quite a mixed sort of message in that it's a concept album, but it's also episodic. And sort of episodic concept album might be a the whole point of a concept album is you listen to it in an hour and you're sort of like you're taking on this journey. Breaking that up into episodes seems sort of strange. The other thing about concept albums, as someone who's born in the 1970s, is they always sound like a good idea and they're always you always end up wishing they weren't a concept album because you end up writing a song for the concept rather than because you had a great idea of the song. So ah. like I, I I mean I love the idea of concept albums uh, and i suppose you could argue that like roxy music like i suppose you could argue that for your pleasure by roxy music is kind of a concept they are the, the concept being that brian ferry is really sexy um which is a concept i can get on board with um <laughs> but i don't know that like he leaned into the camera as he said yeah, that you have to only photos <laughs> one side um but yeah you I, I love I love concert albums because they're broken and frustrating and annoying, and like you know, Pink Floyd couldn't couldn't release an album without there being this massive concept behind it, and it's sort of pleasing and self defeating. And I, that, that part of why I'm interested in this game, it just looks. I love games that are trying to do things that are mm. different, and I'd much rather they do things different and don't succeed than that. What what is it? Melville said better to um, succeed in originality than than you know, better fail in originality than succeed in imitation um mm. i may have just completely mangled that quote it's been a while and i did not have <laughs> I it doubt prepared. it it sounds good um but succeed in oh god i can't remember but anyway that's we'll, what i think we'll about this i like games that are weird and try things even if they don't even if they don't fully work 
Okay, so another big piece we had, um, it's not a, not a review, but we had um, Ben Bayliss uh, writing about the, the DualSense, uh, that's the PlayStation 5 controller, the, the haptics, um, which I think involves both the rumble and the adaptive triggers, which... Sorry, the, the, the haptics, he's purely talking about the rumble. He, he's he's oh, only okay. talking about the rumble in this piece. Okay, so what Ben was saying is that there's two sides to this. There's there's great accessibility potential in the rumble for giving people clues, say, when they achieve solve a puzzle in the game. Uh, ben is um, deaf and wears a hearing aid and was saying that sometimes he misses audio cues. Um, sometimes he can't keep up with all of the audio that's going on. So having rumble help him uh, with a cue or with maybe directional uh, prompts is something that can be really helpful. But on the, the flip side of this, you have um, developers using it as an immersion thing and throwing sort of all the ideas they can think of, almost like a, a soup of ideas um, and, and not giving you the ability. I think choice is a big part of this, not giving you the ability to turn them on or off individually. It's just have everything or have nothing. That was how I understood it. Is, is that right, Christian? Because you were involved with this piece. Yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful piece. And I recommend everyone reads it because it's such an interesting, generous sort of look at this aspect of games. Um, so one of the things that's very interesting about it is he says that Sony's first party is very good at this. So, which doesn't surprise you, they made the, uh, the DualSense controller and actually their first party is very good, not just in using it for immersion, but in using it for functionality and accessibility, but also for giving you that granularity of control, which is really the missing ingredient here. It's, it's great if you have like it for raindrops or, you know, casting fireballs or all of those things, but you have to give people the power to turn it down in a nuanced granular way. So you need to be able to, if you use, if you use your, you know, the haptics for five different things, you really should put sliders on those five different things. I'm saying that like I'm a game designer, you know, and I'm sure <laughs> this stuff takes a lot of time and I understand that, but I think this is time worth spending because this is time where you're locking players out of your game potentially. Uh, he spoke about- It was a really about... interesting article because- Oh, so I was just going to say, like, I, I, re I read um, Ben's article and I I hadn't appreciated the accessibility side of it until I mm. read that piece. And I remember thinking about the time that I played, I think it was Returnal, mm. but it had like the rain that you could sort of sense the raindrops falling on um, Atropos, wherever it was. And I remember thinking that was a really, really cool feature at the time. And I still do. But I suppose now looking back, like that must have been quite distracting if you were also relying on this to be your ears for other elements of the game, which it's, I hadn't appreciated until then. It's a cool feature, definitely. It's a cool feature when you can modulate it. And that's the thing is if you are using haptics for directional attacks or for timing of sort of quick time events or anything like that, you need to be able to allow people to isolate that. And Sony's first party stuff, I know Returnal is first party, but Sony's um, other first-party stuff has been excellent at this. I mean, if you look at um, Miles Morales, and if you look at particularly um, Rift Apart, 
which which not just was didn't just have access great accessibility options it had representation it had dis, dis, disability representation within the game's story as well but um if you look at that what you're really looking at is sliders that you can you can tweak everything um it takes a lot of time obviously sony's first party has the a lot of sort of um privileges that other developers don't but it, it, I think what Ben's piece made really clear is this is stuff that is worth getting right because you are shutting people out of your game. If you, when you get it wrong, with the best intentions even, you are making your, 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 you're shutting people out. Um, it's a wonderful piece of writing. And as with Victoria, it's not something which had, I had, when he pitched it, I was like, do you know what? I've never, I've never really thought about that. And it's great. So I'm really glad that we had it on the site. And, it's a great piece of writing from Ben. So please, please read it. And I hope developers read it and are inspired rather than sort of like oppressed. <laughs> you know, I hope they're like, oh, this is great. This, we should be doing this. It's also kind of, I mean, this is a slight tangent, but still kind of on point, Bertie. So I won't take too long, don't worry. But it has made me think about like the Last of Us Part 1 remake that they're doing. And I remember Erin's like, that's ridiculous. They're giving this prize, blah, blah, blah. Like it, because it is a lot of money for a game that, let's face it, has been released twice already. But then I was looking at some tweets and the fact that this is going to have this catalog of accessibility options, this game that is a brilliant game is now actually going to be open to a whole new audience because of this remake, which again is not something that I had considered when it was first announced. I think and they are world leaders uh, naughty dog in this sense they set a bar for themselves with last of us part two um so we had sorry, a headline about the last of us part two was it that you could you could play the entire game and get all the achievements if you with vision impairment which yeah. is like that is absolutely where everyone should be and obviously it's a very hard road to get to that but i do think in in 10 years i do believe that that will be the the standard yeah, yeah let's hope so on on a related note actually it was interesting to see um a story about uh with reggie fizami um saying that nintendo was apparently working on a platform agnostic accessibility controller inspired by the xbox adaptive controller um yeah it's a jumping point to to create something i'm not sure what happened to that i don't know if uh, victoria you know a bit more about that but uh but that's interesting nonetheless yeah, I think it's an interesting um, idea that they had. And obviously, I mean, Reggie said they, that Nintendo was working on it. I don't know if that is still ongoing, um, as I think Ed maybe wrote that one yesterday. Uh, as Ed said in the piece, like, Reggie's obviously left Nintendo. But it, it is definitely something that I would like to think that they might still be building on. Yeah, because Nintendo sometimes seems to be the quiet kind of party in all of this. Oh, anyway, quiet is um, a, a nice way of putting it. They're the worst at this. They're absolutely the worst at this. <laughs> <laughs> like if you look at like so, um metroid no no accessibility options like wow wow okay yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah. no that is worse than quiet so just quickly um around the site as well we had a couple of state of the games this week one i was particularly interested in and that is sea of thieves because it's this game that i played at launch i haven't played since and every it feels like every day maybe every week i think about going back to it i actually did restart it the other day and started this whole new tutorial which didn't exist when uh, i played it before but matt wales um who wrote this state of the game has been playing this he totted up his game time and he's been playing the game for 40 days he worked out which i, wow. I don't know how many hours that works out at um, biblical amount that is quite yeah. biblical isn't it um and <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. He is he gives this wonderful account of some of the adventures he's been on, which really encapsulates the kind of magic that game is capable of. But he kind of leaves it in a leaves it in a space where he still loves the game, he still thinks it's wonderful, but it's starting to show its age. And some of those things, which were never that good to begin with, like the hand-to-hand combat, uh, for instance, are still not very good. They haven't been developed. And they underpin so many of the missions. And even the sailing, he said, like it hasn't changed really since the game began. And, and if you've been playing it a lot, it's the same thing. And it's just starting to feel a bit creaky, I think, in some areas, some fundamental areas. But on top of that, if you if you haven't played the game for years and you go into it, there's a mountain of stuff, um, you, a wave of stuff. A, 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 anyway, a mountain of stuff that you can get into now that he's really... So he's still really keen on it. It's still the best pirate game out there. Sorry, Skull of Bones, but but you haven't been released yet. Um, so <laughs> Sorry, I've got helicopters going over. I hope they're not helicopters for you, Victoria. Um, we also had a, uh, a Rocket League state of the game. Uh, written by Henry Stockdale, uh, I think it was. Um, and he's still in love with it. Seven years, seven years ago, the <laughs> game came out. Um, I, I can't believe that. Um, it's, it's undergone a free-to-play switch since then, so more people are playing it. And actually, he's, he's still really positive about it. The, the free-to-play switch hasn't kind of, uh, I don't know, made the game more crude in a way, if that's the right way of putting it. Um, he still loves it, and apparently it's really healthy and vibrant. So it still does what it did really well, and, and it hasn't sort of... Uh, messed that up so um around the site quickly um in video this week i I, ian was really keen for me to share this with everyone so ian got super excited when the new yorker this week uh, that very prestigious american publication um published a piece about a game called uh geo guesser which is this like Google Maps guessing game. Donna's nodding like he, uh, he understands what this is. Um, I watched, and uh, so anyway, within this piece, um, there was a mention that Ian had produced or recorded what appeared to be the very first video of this game on YouTube. <laughs> and so I was talking to him a few times. He's like, you've got to mention this. You've got to mention this. So he's really <laughs> excited. Donna, have you played this game? I have played it. I mean, and also, so a couple of things. A, this is the game which we are asked to cover more than any other. Um, <laughs> and I'm still looking for a, a way in or the right pitch. But yeah, loads of people want us to write about GeoGuessr. It's a very uh, entertaining game. I I, th- I think it can model some slightly disturbing behavior sometimes when you're making your guesses. But um, the one thing that really made me laugh is the New Yorker has just a, it's famous for its army of fact checkers. And if they put something in an article, it is correct. So like um, when they just drop in that Ian did the first video, he absolutely did. Then (laughs) if they're saying that that's the case, it really is. Um, I love that 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 we've we've made it into the New Yorker in that way. Can I also just say um, (laughs) Simon Parkin? a uh, friend of Eurogamer and longtime Eurogamer writer has a piece in the New Yorker as well at the moment about the theft of Darwin's notebooks, the theft and return of Charles Darwin's notebooks from a library. And it's wow. fantastic. So please read it. It's really, really good. I know I shouldn't fantastic. be pushing people away from Eurogamer, but like if you are going to leave Eurogamer <laughs> for a second, you should go to New York and then come back. 
Well, you can you can have been swayed there by the mention of you know Ian's piece, and then yeah, you can absolutely. you know re- take in another piece while you're there, and then I can't believe we didn't come. write a piece about. We should have written a little news piece about that. Like like we're in like Ian Higton is now in the New Yorker. Wow. Anyway, I can run something up for you guys this afternoon. <laughs> Fantastic, um, <laughs> Ian as. Ian's also been looking at um, uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, remake VR mod because you know he's big into uh, into VR. Can um, we really pause and appreciate his "get your tifa into it" pun that he had under the video? Oh, which, wow. I appreciated that. Oh my god, <laughs> he's excellent. so. Ian is. Can we just take a moment to accept that Ian is probably our best <laughs> colleague? He's so generous with his time. He's he so is. busy all the time, but he's always got time for everyone. He's an extraordinary writer but he never makes a fuss but he's just like oh yeah i've written this thing and you look at it and it's always completely brilliant and then a pun like that what a son what a son of a gun got to be said what a son of a gun um i've been playing the final fantasy 7 remake this week actually and i really like it anyway um there's loads of stuff on the on on the video channel loads of cult of the lamb stuff apparently zoe is um entranced by this uh game so they're covering it in in various different ways he's also playing a new team 17 souls like called time easier which i'd never heard of till i saw it in a video it's called thymesia thymesia yeah i think thymesia it's quite new isn't it Thymesia. Yeah, well, must I, be. I might be completely wrong. Thymesia, I think, is a neurological condition where you cannot forget. Give me a second. Ah. Look, look, so, so it's it's extremely rare. Oh, it's all about the fucking game now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I am fairly sure that thymesia is when your brain cannot stop creating memories. Um, super. Yeah. Superior. No, it's hyperthymesia. Sorry, I knew there was a bit more hyperthymesia this has now become a complete tangent hyperthymesia is when you cannot forget anything and your life is just absolute chaos because every time you go into a room you're surrounded by all of the very precise memories the last time you're in that room all of the other times it's like being surrounded by ghosts but the game's called the the game's just called thymesia so ignore me that was we can cut that bit out come for the recap stay for the tangents we're definitely not (laughs) That out. should be your your sort of slogan for the podcast from now on. Um, a quick look at Digital well, we Foundry. Um, <laughs> Digital Foundry um, is really, really impressed with the Spider-Man remastered um, release on, on PC. So there's a bunch of coverage um, about that. A patch or two away from perfection, uh, says DF. And I, I don't get the feeling they say that about much. Uh, they're taking a look at it running on Steam Deck as well, just in case you're one of the five people in the world. Uh, who has one of those there's more than five um, and they're also going to interview the developer who ported that um, I think as well over in Newsland this week the big news of the week which there's a newscast on so we're not going to go into to much detail but we're just going to mention it is that Embracer Group this company that seemingly owns half of the gaming world now um, has brought <laughs> has bought the rights to Lord of the Rings like all of the rights and um, Victoria you know about this so I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin it. I'm going to let you tell me. Oh, I mean, you feel free. I, I yes, yeah, so I wrote the article this morning about it. So Embracer now owns the rights to all IP, and that includes tabletop, video games, films, theme rights. If we ever get some kind of, I'd love to go to a Lord of the Rings theme park. roller coaster. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like the Eye of Sauron at the end. I don't know, uh, but yeah, they now. So, I mean, I should say they're they're in the. They, they've not acquired full stop. There's still ink that needs to dry. Oh, okay. As far as I have read and hopefully written appropriately to our readers. Um, so, yeah, there's 
yeah, I mean, Embracer, as you have said, seem to own like everyone. So what do they own at this point? They own THQ Nordic. They They've got the Square Enix Western Studios. That's meant to be uh, sort of all finalized by next month. I think they said it was September. Um, so they'll have obviously like the Tomb Raider IP, etc. Uh, they've got Gearbox, they've got THQ, they've got some Dark Horse comic branding. So, I mean, it's not just games. They also have other media. I thought Warner owned um, Dark Horse. Outlets. I thought Warner owned Lord of the Rings, actually. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah. how weird. Have they bought Warner? There's a whole Wikipedia page, which is quite amazing. Um, I will send you guys the link. There's a Wikipedia page for all of their sort of subsidiaries, and it's it's lengthy. It's Chunky it Boy. You know, like so, and who, who, who is Embracer? It's a Swedish conglomerate. Okay. And it, it, it's right, because a lot of the studios, and they've said this for a few of the acquisitions recently. Please stop me if I'm, like, just going off on one now. No, no, you um, go. But they... They still say that a lot of the companies, and they've said this about um, Middle Earth Enterprises, which is the sort of Lord of the Rings um, umbrella, uh, that they will still act as an independent company. And so I said this to the news team in our meeting this morning. I'm just kind of picturing now, like someone at Embracer with like a very nice velvet smoking jacket, like with some kind of like marionette puppets just doing their bidding because they seem to be buying it and then sort of taking a step back. But that can't last, can it? Because, you know, if you're you're putting your money in, you've got to want something it seems weird the way and this is something that we do cover in the newscast sorry i cut you off sorry after you don no no after you i was just gonna make a stupid oh no i was gonna say oh no no i I was just saying that there is obviously uh, a slightly sour taste in the mouth for me though because a lot of like saudi that saudi investment funding group has Mm. uh they they put like a billion investment billion pound dollar Anyway, a lot of money into Embracer, so ah, okay. There is still like a a sort of discomfort over where all the this breadcrumb trail from. goes back. Mm. How how is Amazon able to make their Silverillion TV show or whatever it's called with with this going on? How does it does this mean that Amazon can't do any more of that, or like what happens there? Or does Amazon own this? Does Amazon own this annoying chunk? It's almost like. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of that guy in New York who won't sell his, the East Village won't sell his land rights for public use. So there's like a triangle on the floor in the East Village outside a um, bodega, which belongs to this one guy and it's not for public use. Um, but is that, is that like the, Silmarillion, house. Yeah. <laughs> the Silmarillion timeline? Is that now like a, an Amazon spite house or something? I don't, but it's the same with, we, we've chatted about this a bit in the newscast, so I, I won't um, repeat myself too much here, but it's the same with the Golem game from Daedalic. Oh, yeah. I can't say the name, Daedalic. Um, Daedalic. That, that, that one. You know, that that is something that has already had all of the sort of, you know, dotted the I's, crossed the T's in terms of contracts, so that shouldn't be affected by this deal. And it yeah. feels like with, um, speaking with that of... game, oh, sorry. It feels like with that game that they only own Gollum. <laughs> it almost like it's like they, they they bought Gollum but nothing else. So it's like we're really good. we're going all in on Gollum here, guys. I mean, but, uh... I've seen Gandalf and Thranduil. Oh, up. okay. I'm wrong then. Wrong. Trixie. Uh, and then some say. new characters. Um, so speaking so... of Lord of the Rings, um, there is also another Lord of the Rings game I saw that's on its way from Weta Workshop and Private Division, which is that um, sort of indie publishing arm of. Um, take two how can you be an indie publishing arm it's a publishing arm of um of take two um I, there's no details on that it's just in the works apparently i bet it's going to be some ropey 
something or other. I didn't say that private division. Um, moving on, um, we saw some <laughs> we saw some leaked images from the Fallout TV show um, series this week, and to me, they looked like it, the set looked really cool. Like they're, they're building a vault yeah, kind of set. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, from that, I mean, I, I don't know if either of you guys are fans of these kind of adaptations. So I have a slight guilty pleasure for TV adaptations of video games. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to this one. And I also like they've got a good cast. Like Walton Goggins, I think is brilliant. He's got Agent um, Cooper, and they've got twin. As they got Twin Peaks, is Agent Cooper in there? Yeah, may have to watch it. Which I used on, and you'll appreciate this. I wrote the news article where we found out that uh, Agent Cooper was going to be sorry, Carl McLaughlin was going to be in um, in Fallout, and I used Agent Cooper as my header. And I got so many people being like, "I'm sure there are more recent pictures of him." I'm like, "There are, but this is still the best." Yeah, no. Why would you? Why would you? Why, why would you do that? Just go for the original. Go, for, go to the source. <laughs> when is this um, TV show coming? When? When can we expect it? Do you know? I mean, filming only started from what we've kind of gathered from various social media posts by the actors. I don't know, like last month or the month before. So it's still very early days, even mm. though it was announced all the way back in 2020. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, elsewhere in news, a, a lot was happening, but um, Liv uh, wrote a great report um, about this crypto investor funded game, which, you know, there's going to be more of now. It's a game called Untamed Isles, which is a sort of Pokemon MMO. Uh, and it's basically been shelved because of uh, the crypto crash, more sort of. It's run out of money and the crypto um, people won't put any more money in because the crypto market crashed. Um, and now they can't refund Kickstarter backers um, or anything like that. So it's this kind of, well, I think she put it in the headline. It's a cautionary tale. Uh, for... It's a really great piece. And um, as Donald said, Ben's piece, news readers, please go and read this piece. It's really good. Yeah, I'll let you, I'll let her go into detail in the piece because I will, um, I'll get it wrong. Just quickly, there's a new batch of Games Pass games coming. Among them, Coffee Talk, uh, which is a wonderful game, um, a narrative game about chatting to people in, in coffee shops uh really um i urge you to play that um also um the ubisoft game that people seem to really like called um immortality phoenix rice the worst name in the world i'm like is that marcus phoenix from uh i've forgotten the name of the game gears of war oh from um but... oh, sorry, i was thinking about phoenix right for a moment there from the, the lawyer ones <laughs> uh, but that's on there but also the um the new game from her story and Telling Lies developer Sam Barlow, Immortality, um, is going to be on there too. And this is the game that Edge just gave a 10 to. So it's got this sort of hype that's starting to bubble around it. It's already quite a high profile thing, but I'm quite excited about this. Um, Hades is leaving Game Pass, which um, I imagine everyone's probably had a chance to play it um, now. But if you haven't, quick, quick, get in there. Um, also around news uh, this week, there was uh, there were more allegations of a video game company um, being sexist, basically, and this time it was Nintendo of America, um, and they there was a big Kotaku report about this. And Nintendo of America are looking into it; they've already responded. Um, yeah, that's a bigger story than I'm going to have time to go into now, but that's going on um also any fans of overwatch um you can now merge your accounts um from across different platforms ahead of overwatch 2 launching in november um so do that you should get a prompt to do this by the way when you log in um 
and there's some other stuff evil west the vampire cowboy shooter from the po- they're a polish studio funnily enough flying wild hogs uh, they made shadow warrior this has been delayed a couple of months to 22nd of november but most importantly of all in the news this week doom is now playable on the tractor <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. And I mean, that sounds dangerous to me. Like, what were you doing when you, in your combine harvester? I was, I was playing Doom. Sorry, I didn't see the tourist party in front of me. You know, you see the sort of fields, and they've got these beautifully meticulous straight lines. You're going to know the ones who've been playing Doom because it's just going to be totally erratic. Yeah, there was even <laughs> the game that they were playing um, in this. There's a video of it um, on this sort of computer system in this um, tractor or whatever it was. Um, was someone on like some farming machinery going around in the Doom world? So it's like a, a world within a world. But it's this running joke, of course, people playing Doom on stuff. Um, I think it's playable on pretty much everything that has. A pregnancy test. I'm what? sure someone's put Doom on a pregnancy test. Wow. I just made that up. I'm sure I read that somewhere. <laughs> that is. That is. So, there's so many meanings. Uh, <laughs> buried within that um and that's um a quick look at some of the stuff that's been going on on Eurogame this week please go over to the website and uh, feast your eyes on everything else there because there's loads of stuff i haven't had a time to mention uh victoria thank you very much for joining us today oh thank you for having me it's been lovely and thank you to the captain for for snoozing behind you aye aye the captain where is he um <laughs> christian donlan thank you to you and milton for joining us today thank you he heard um, his name. And I'm, Ber- <laughs> um, I'm Bertie. That was weekly. My cat's disappeared. Um, and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.